Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Maim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Abrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I thank you for this Shabbat, for this opportunity to recognize the beauty of your creation and the work that you were doing in our midst. Father, I pray that as we open your word today, that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, that it be your word uh, received, your words felt. And Father, that nothing immediately will be involved except that which you have ordained for this purpose. Have your way in our midst. Prepare our hearts to receive from you and open our eyes and our minds to your truth. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. And everyone says, Amen and Amen. This week we are in Parsha Bereshit. Uh, Parsha Bereshit is the very beginning uh, Parsha of the Torah cycle. Um, and uh, it is the very beginning Parsha of the book of Genesis, also known as Bereshit. Um, Bereshit, that simple word means in the beginning or in a beginning. Um, and uh, is a very interesting, very important, very finite reality to what we believe, who we are, and how everything that we walk in in terms of being a people of God began and where he's bringing us through and to. If you have your scriptures, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was chaos and waste. Darkness was on the surface of the deep. And the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, was hovering upon the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, so God distinguished the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So there was evening, and there was morning, one day. We go forward to verse 14. It says, then God said, let, there, uh, let lights in the expanse of the sky be for separating the day from the night. They will be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. They will be for lights in the expanse of the sky to shine upon the land. And it happened so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light for the dominion over the day and the lesser light, as well as the stars for the dominion over the night. God set them in the expanse of the sky to shine on the land and to have dominion over the day and overnight and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, so there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. Now, you may be wondering why in the world I jumped from day one to day four. And there's a very important reason there, and it has to do with this image of light, right? Day one, we see that the Lord spoke light into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. That's exactly how it's worded. And then immediately after he said, let there be light, he says, and he saw the light, and it was good, and that was morning, evening, and morning, day one. All right, so day one began... Before we ever had the orchestration in the heavens of the lights that, that uh, dominate, that have dominion, if you would, over day and night, we go to day four before we see the sun, the stars, the moon in, uh, in creation, before we see that the Lord says, as we just read in verse 14, they will be a sign for seasons and for days and for years. They will be for lights in the expanse of the sky to shine upon the land and it happened so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light for dominion over the day, as we know the sun, and the lesser light, as well as the stars for dominion over the night, the moon. 
God set them uh, in the expanse of the sky to shine on the land and have dominion over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. God, and God saw that it was good. So there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. So we get to the fourth day and realize that the pieces that we deem necessary for evening and morning a day actually begin four days after God created the first day and the, the, the events that occurred on that first day. Uh, and so I always look at this and I wonder, you know, I wonder how many people really pay attention to this. And, you know, we see verse 1 uh, the, that he talks about uh, creating, or, or verse 1 through 5 that he talks about the first day of creation. And then it's the fourth day before we actually see the things that we today deem necessary for day and night, right? When we think of daytime, we're literally thinking the sun and the, the, the sky and, you know, it's hot as all get out around here. And, uh, and uh, there's no escaping the heat. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. You're going to be sweating. You're going to be complaining. You're going to be upset. Um, and then in the evening, the, the moon and the stars in the sky and the, everything around us appears to be dark, but there's still this light in the sky and, and, and it's beautiful. And, and this is how we differentiate, how we deline, uh, delineate, how we decide what is day and night. But we actually see that those things came into existence after the first day. We're four days deep in creation before the sun, the moon, and the stars, which we deem today to be the definition of day and night came into being, right? Which is really interesting. And so it made me wonder as I started looking through this, uh, how often we really process this and think about this and what this really means. So we go back to the beginning of the chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was chaos and waste, darkness was on the surface of the deep, and the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit, was hovering upon the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, so God distinguished the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So there was evening, and there was morning one day. This idea, this concept of light, I think is one of the most important and prominent concepts that we read throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. We see this idea of light, right? As believers, we, we talk about carrying the light of Messiah. When we celebrate Hanukkah, we talk about the rededication of the, the menorah in the temple, and we talk about the, the lights of dedication, and we, we celebrate uh, Shabbat. We enter the Shabbat by lighting the candles and the, the lights of the, the sanctification of Shabbat. And when we uh, deal with uh, uh, going forward into the temple, and the, or rather the tabernacle, the building of the tabernacle, and the presence of the Lord descending upon the, the, the tabernacle, the mercy seat, the holy of holies, and the tabernacle in the wilderness, we see that there was light there, the fire by night, uh, and it's interesting, the, the, the kind of flipping around, right? Because during the day, it was a cloud. It wasn't light. It was a cloud, uh, which we know around here, when there's clouds overhead, you can forget about the sun, right? When you know it's going to rain, everything starts to get gloomy and dark and depressing. But there was a cloud where the presence of the Lord was. It was a cloud that was seen by day, and at night, there was a light, right? And this was a light that radiated it was a light that took over. It was a light that could not be overcome by the darkness. We go to the temple. The same thing occurred when the temple was built. We read in uh, Second Chronicles about uh, the dedication of the temple, and it says that there was fire that came from heaven that descended upon the tabernacle and consumed the offering, and the whole ta uh, temple, sorry, and the whole temple was radiant with his glory, and, and all of this uh, concept, the same thing with the tabernacle when the light fell there, and over and over and over again, we get to John 1 and move through other places. We look in Revelation, Isaiah, and uh, Zechariah 14, and all these places we see this concept of light that appears over and over and over and over again. But it appears to be something different to this light than the light we get out of these light bulbs. 
uh, overhead or the light we get from the sun. It appears to be something distinguished, separate from those things. And we know that, uh, at least in regards to the sun, because the sun didn't become created for another three days after the, the Lord spoke light into existence as we know it. And I believe fervently, and Judaism has talked for millennia about this, and about this light being a very specific and special light. This wasn't just any light. This was the light of Messiah. The light that separated darkness from uh, uh, around us, the light that, that gave that separation between creation and darkness itself was the light of Messiah. I believe personally, and we can talk about it after service if you want to debate with me, I believe that it's somewhere during this period of time, uh, leading up to this point at least, that the enemy fell from heaven. And this is where the tovu vohu comes in, the chaos and, and darkness, the chaos and waste. And it says darkness, uh, hovered over the, uh, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, was hovering upon the surface of the water. I believe it was during this period, somewhere in the midst of this first day of creation, that the enemy goes, hey, I can be better than anything God's going to do. And God kicks him out because he thought he could be God. And he comes down, and this is where the chaos and, and waste comes in because we know the Lord doesn't create chaos. We know he doesn't create waste. As a matter of fact, I've talked about it before, chaos and confusion and disunity is not from the Lord. So all this disunity and division that exists within the body of Messiah, it's not from the Lord. If it were, then we would have read about it. But instead, he calls us to unity. He calls us to be echad, to be one, Right? He calls us to be one people. He doesn't call us to be separated, to be divided, to be different. So chaos and waste cannot be from the Lord, but instead from the enemy, the one who desires to be the Lord, the one who desires to take over, and the one who the, the, the Lord will ultimately crush the head of. And so as we move through this, we see this light come forth, and I believe fervently that this is the light of Messiah. And it's something that isn't new. It's something that's been discussed in, in Judaism for millennia. It's all through the Talmud. We read about it. Um, and, and looking at that very first word, though, of this Parsha, we read the word Bereshit in Hebrew. And Bereshit is a really neat word and uh, means in the beginning. And as we look at the Torah scroll, which I didn't, uh, I don't know if you paid attention to it when we had it lifted for Vizot, uh, but if you look at the Torah scroll, the very first letter of Bereshit is the letter Beit. And at the, the beginning of the Torah scroll, you'll notice that that Beit is considerably larger than the rest of the word Bereshit. That first letter, that bait, is huge. It's enormous. Uh, scriptures begin with the book of Genesis, but in Hebrew, the book is named after its first word, Bereshit. Uh, the first letter of revelation from the Lord is the letter bait, which is found in this word, and as I said in the Torah scroll, is considerably larger. Uh, bait, today, uh, we look back at the Hebrew letters, and over history, we've recognized that each letter kind of has a pictographic nature to it. It uh, has uh, kind of this image uh, that we look at when we see it. So the letter bait in particular, the, the image there is a house, and the, the letter itself means in terms of how we look at it, means house. And so this letter uh, representing a house is composed of, uh, if you break that one letter down, it's composed of what looks to be three vobs. Each of, one, each of these vobs add up to the number, uh, the three vobs together add up to the number 18, the same value for the word chai or life. Um, the house of creation uh, of uh, the house of creation is then the life of the universe, but also has a prefix function meaning in, suggesting God's intention of abiding within the realm of creation. So when we look at this word bereshit and we see that one bait at the very beginning that's huge, 
considerably larger than all the rest of the letters in this passage, we recognize or, or we can recognize that there's something greater to the way it's, it's artistically written by the, the scribes. There's something that they're trying to get across or trying to pass to us. And in particular, this, that image of house, the, the idea of life, of chai, uh, the life of the Lord, and in particular that the idea in the beginning, I mean, literally from the foundations of creation itself, was not for us to be separated from the Lord, but rather that the Lord wants to reside, to live in our midst. And so when we look at that concept of, of that bait, and we look at that concept of the life of the Lord and the presence of the Lord in our midst and Him desiring to be among us and to give us that life, not just breathing the breath of life in us as we read about with Adam's creation, but literally giving us life anew, life restored, life greater and abundant. And we look at that idea of this light of Messiah that we see in the beginning of creation, in the beginning of Genesis 1, I think it's vastly important that we grasp a hold of this, that we, we take to account the realities of what's being seen here, because the Lord isn't wasting words. He's not mincing things. You've got to remember, Genesis was not written as a historical account of what happened before the nation of Israel was birthed out of Egypt. Rather, Genesis was written by the hand of Moses who led Israel out of Egypt for the purpose of relaying the details of what the Lord did from the foundations of creation up to the exodus to a group of people who have been separated and foreigners in a foreign land for 400 years to a group of people who have been slaves in Egypt for quite some time to a group of people who have no concept as they've been enslaved in a polytheistic paganistic culture they have no concept of this relationship that our forefathers Abraham Isaac and Jacob had with the Lord God Almighty and so the Lord is speaking through Moses in, in Genesis specifically to give this concept of what's happening here to Israel and in particular Genesis 1 this idea of the light in the midst of us this idea of this light that is the separation between darkness and creation this light that cannot be overcome by the darkness this light was bred into Genesis 1 for an intentional purpose to point out to Israel who was being saved from slavery in Egypt, who was being brought into freedom and redemption and salvation into deliverance from slavery, from deliverance from the enemy. It was to bring to reality that we are vessels, are called to be vessels, are intended by God's creation from the foundations of time itself to be a vessel for the light of Messiah, the light that cannot be overtaken by darkness, a light that cannot be overcome by darkness. We go to the Haftorah Parsha. And Isaiah 42, verse 5 says, Thus says God, Adonai, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and ruach to those who walk in it. I, Adonai, called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, or legoim, as a light to the nations. God calls Israel, and he repeats this calling here, to be a light to the nations. He says, I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, by opening blind eyes, bringing prisoners out of the dungeons, and those sitting in darkness out of the prison house. And we go forward to forward through the Haftorah to verse uh, 8 of chapter 43. 
uh, verse 8 of chapter 43, and he says, Bring out the people who are blind yet have eyes, who are deaf yet have ears. All the nations are gathered together and the people are assembled. Who among them can declare this and proclaim it to us former things? And let them present their witnesses so that they may be justified or let them hear and say it's true. You are my witnesses. Uh, it is a declaration of Adonai and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed and there will be, there will be none after me. I, I am Adonai and there is no savior besides me. I alone declared, uh, declared saved and proclaimed and not, some foreign, uh, and not some foreign God among you. So you are my witnesses. It is a declaration of Adonai. I am God. So in chapter 42, he declares that we, uh, Israel, are to be a, uh, a light into the nations. Where does that light come from? It's the same light from the foundations of creation. It's the light of Messiah that, that was that light that separated darkness from light. It is that light that gives light, that creates day and night. It is that light that gives us that guidance in our footsteps. And here in verse chapter 43, he commands us to be a witness of all of the things that God has done. If you pay attention to this passage here in 42 and 43 of Isaiah, it's specifically speaking of works that could only be performed through Messiah Yeshua, salvation, deliverance, redemption freedom from the bondage, the blind eyes being open to see, the ears being open to hear, and so on and so forth. These are things that can only occur through Messiah Yeshua uh, and what he's pointing us to. And again, these are words written to a people group who have suffered for years after years after years, many times on our own account of our own sin, whether it was being uh, stuck in Egypt, coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land and being kicked out of the promised land. Isaiah is a book written to Israel because of their sins, God's saying, I'm going to push you out. I'm going to take you out of here. I'm going to give the land time to rest, and then I'll bring you back. But just remember, if you repent, I will bring you unto myself again, and I'll forget everything I said I'm going to do. I just want you to come back to me. Why does he want, him to, want Israel to come back to him? For the single purpose of what he created Israel for, which is to be a light into the nations. Keep in mind, God did not create Jew and Gentile. He created Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve. He created humanity. He called Abraham out and his descendants who became the Jewish people. He called us out of the nations to be a light unto the nations so that all of God's creation can be restored to the light that was the foundation of creation itself. We go forward in, uh, in the scriptures to Isaiah 60, verse 1. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. What light is that? The light of Mashiach Yeshua. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of Adonai has risen on you. Where was the glory of Adonai in, uh, in the wilderness? It was upon the tabernacle, the mercy seat, the Holy of Holies. And it radiated so the entire nation could see it. His mercy, his glory was upon the uh, Mount Sinai. His glory was upon the temple. Here he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of Adonai has risen on you. Not just on the temple or the tabernacle, but the glory of Adonai has risen upon you. For behold, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. Sounds much like Genesis 1, right? Right? He creates the heavens and the earth, and then there's darkness and void and chaos over the earth. For behold, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But Adonai will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. The people, 
the individual, not just a house in the wilderness, not a temple, a tabernacle, a tent in the wilderness, not a building made of stone and wood in Jerusalem, but the people of God himself uh, itself. He says, nations will come to your light, kings to the brilliance of your rising. In other words, the light of God, the light of Messiah is going to radiate so fervently off of us that people will be drawn to his radiant glory and his presence in our lives. And if you haven't experienced that, you need to fall on your faces before the Lord because it is something awesome to experiencing people walk up to you because not because of you not because of your words not because they know who you are but because they see the glory of the living god of all creation upon you and they feel their lives being changed just from interacting with his presence in your life verse 4 lift up your eyes and look all around they all gather they come to you your sons will come from afar your daughters carried on the hip then you will see and be radiant you will be radiant then you will see and be radiant and your heart will throb and swell with joy for the abundance of the sea will be turned over to you. The wealth of nations will come to you. This is a promise spoken to Israel in Isaiah in a book talking about the destruction of the nation of Israel, a prophecy of the destruction of the nation of Israel. The Lord says, don't worry, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to place my glory upon you. The nations will come to you because of the light of my glory in your life. And it will be wondrous and wor uh, worthy to, for you. He says, the wealth of the nations will come to you. Uh, the abundance of the sea will be turned over to you, etc., etc. This image, this power of the presence of the Lord in our lives and what it will do in our midst. And going down to verse 19 of the same chapter. No more will the sun be light by day, nor the glow of the moon by your light. But Adonai, your God, uh, will be your everlasting light and your God for your glory. No longer will the sun be your light by day or the moon by night. Sounds like Genesis 1. Before the sun and the moon were created on day 4, we see the light of Messiah was a light. We didn't have to worry about the sun and the moon and the, the, the incandescent light bulbs and the, the you know whatever else you can think of, LED or halogen or what have you. None of that matters anymore because the glory of the Lord, the light of Mashiach, which was from the foundations of creation for the purpose of bringing us into his glory and recognizing his glory upon us is something that we will then be lived, uh, gathered into and experience and live by and we will no longer have to worry about the lights that were created on day four and beyond so that we could experience his light but instead live in the literal light of Messiah. Verse 20, no more will, you, will this, your sun set nor will your moon wane for Adonai will be your everlasting light as the days of your morning end, then your people will all be righteous. They will possess the land forever, the branch of his planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. The smallest will become a thousand and the least a mighty nation. I, Adonai, will hasten it in its time. We go forward to John 1, and we talk about this here at Maim Chaim all the time. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, and it gives us that image. If you pay attention to John 1, it is a uh, recounting, if you would, in Messiah's life of creation and what was created through him. Uh, as it says, all things were created through him. Verse 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and apart from him, nothing was made that came into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. 
right? This is a promise. This isn't just speaking specifically of Messiah in the first century and what he would do. This is recollection of what occurred in creation itself and the foundations of creation. And it's a pointing to of what will occur in our lives, walking in the light and the presence and the salvation of Messiah and the power and the authority of the Ruach HaKodesh in our lives. And it's speaking prophetically of what will occur in the days of the kingdom of God here on earth when the kingdom itself descends and we spend eternity in his presence and we no longer worry about the lights around us but instead the light of God the light of Messiah which is our very light no longer will there be night uh, or, or darkness but only light and here he says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overpowered it this world is dark it's gloomy it's it's ugly there is tovu vavohu there is chaos and darkness chaos and waste all around us you don't have to go very far out your front door before you're going to come across somebody who is miserable who is loathsome, who hates everything, everyone that exists. You don't have to go very far to be able to find something negative happening in the world around us. You don't have to have your TV on for more than a couple of seconds. You don't have to open up newspaper for more than a few seconds. You don't have to do much effort or work to find the misery that exists in this world. Yet as believers in Messiah, there is a promise of something greater. There is a promise of hope and restoration. There is a promise of eternity in the presence of Messiah. And even greater than that is the reality of that promise of hope being existent in our lives today. We cry out, Lord, let your kingdom come. The problem is we forget that his kingdom has already come. We're awaiting the descent of his eternal kingdom for eternity. But his kingdom is here now. Messiah is our Melech Mashiach, our King Messiah. He is sitting on the throne in heaven. And he has brought us as believers believers of Messiah Yeshua into his kingdom to do his work, to live in the glory and the power and the might and the light of Messiah so that we can be orlegoim, light unto the nations, so that we can lead others to his presence. We want to cry out for his kingdom to come, forgetting and ignoring the fact that his kingdom is here and we just need to live in it, walk in it, act like it's here, act like we're a part of it. We need to find his presence. We need to walk boldly, as Hebrews says, into the Holy of Holies and experience his power and his presence in our lives because there's nothing that this world needs more than the light that exists in our lives as believers in Messiah filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. There's nothing that the darkness of this world needs more than to be overcome by the light of Messiah that we carry, that we should be living in and that we walk in every single day. We go to Revelation chapter 21. It says, I saw no temple in her. This is speaking of the kingdom of heaven. I saw no temple in her, for its temple is Adonai Elohed Sebaot and the Lamb. And the city has no need for the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God lights it up, and its lamp is the Lamb. There was no need for the sun, the moon, and the stars that were created on day four in this kingdom because the light was already in existence. All right, The light was already in existence. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory into it. Its gates shall never be shut by day, for there shall be no night there. And, there shall bring, and they shall bring into the glory and honor of all the, of the nations, and nothing unholy shall ever enter it, nor anyone doing what is de de detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those written in the book of life. If our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, we are already a part of this kingdom. Not only is this temple uh, not made by the hands of humans already a reality in our lives, but we are a part of that temple. 
We are a part of that tabernacle, that Mishkan, that Beit Mikdash of heaven, because the presence of the Lord, the glory, the Shekhinah, the divine glory of the Lord that resided in the Holy of Holies on earth, which was made an image of what Moses saw on Mount Sinai of the Holy of Holies in heaven, is now a part of our own lives and our own reality. The Torah Ark that stands behind me, the Aron Kodesh that stands behind me, the whole purpose to it is to remind us of the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant in the, te- the temple and the tabernacle, and that the presence of the Lord dwelled upon that ark. And that ark is a reminder also of our hearts in which the word of the Lord, as Jeremiah 31 says, is now etched upon our flesh of our heart, and his presence is now a part of our lives, that new covenant concept, that renewed covenant concept of us being brought into the kingdom of God, of us being brought into the covenant relationship with the Lord, of us being led by his word, which is Messiah Yeshua himself, and every thought, action, and deed that we have in our lives. More importantly, it is a reminder of the light of Messiah that has shown since before the foundations of creation that gave light into creation itself that hindered the growth and the effect of the darkness of this evil one so that you and I could find the presence of the reality of his salvation. We go backwards to Zechariah 14, verse 6. Zechariah 14, verse 6. It says, In that day... There will be no light, cold, or frost. It will be a day known only to Adonai, neither day nor night, even in the evening time there will be light. Moreover, in the day living waters will flow from Jerusalem, half toward the eastern sea and half toward the western sea, both in the summer and in the winter. Adonai will be king the, will Adonai will then be king over all the earth in that day. Uh, Adonai will be Echad and his name Echad. Adonai will be one and his name one. We say this uh, every other week when we do the Elenu in our service. It's said throughout the Jewish world, every time the Elenu is spoken, uh, when we say uh, uh, the Benemar, the, the ending part of the Elenu, and we recognize that these words are true, that in that day Adonai will be one and his name will be one. But when we are in that eternal kingdom of heaven, we will be existing in the light of Messiah. The difference now is we are in his kingdom now, but his light exists within us and should radiate off of us as it did the tabernacle and the temple in a way that people are drawn to this light. You and I have been brought into something greater. Not only are we a part of creation itself, not only are we a part of what the Lord is doing through creation, not only are we a part of what the Lord is doing through his children Israel, but we are even greater so a part of what he is doing through Messiah's light in our lives and the lives of those who believe in the blood atonement of Messiah so that all nations, both Jew and Gentile, may be drawn into the glory of the Lord and his salvation. The Lord has placed the light of Messiah inside of our lives, inside of our hearts, not for our own good, but for the good of his glory and his kingdom. It is not ours to hoard, as I constantly complain about my forefathers, uh, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob doing when we were given the Torah. We hoarded it, but the Lord said, bring it to the nations. We were called to be Orle Goyim, enlightened to the nations, carrying his word to the nations, that all may come to know the glory of the Lord. And we hoarded it instead of taking it to the nations. We, as both Jew and Gentile alike in the body of Messiah, have been given a renewed charge from the Lord, a renewed calling from the Lord to carry the light unto the nations, to be Orle Goyim. The temple uh, was to be known as, and will be once again known as, a house of prayer for all nations. 
We go to the, uh, the, the Western Wall today, the Kotel, and it's known as a synagogue of prayer for all nations. You can go there and see people from all over the world going to experience the Western Wall, the, the, the Kotel, the final remaining piece that we know today of what was a retaining wall around the temple. Uh, and people come from all over the world to experience this. The reality is, is that we don't have to worry about people rushing to Jerusalem, physical Jerusalem, to go experience his presence that we're looking for at that wall. But instead, they should find it in our lives and in our midst. They should find it in the lives of those who call themselves believers in Messiah Yeshua. They should find it in our every word, our every action, our every deed, our every thought. Everything that we do should be led by this light of Messiah because it wasn't just laid at the foundations of creation to give light to the day and block the darkness, but it was laid to the foundations of creation that when Messiah comes in person, in human form, we could be instilled with that light, carry it to the nations, and the darkness cannot overcome that light because there are more and more and more carrying that light. It is not our duty to go and preach the gospel to the nations. It is our duty to carry the work of the gospel in our lives to the nations that others may find his light, be drawn to it. The prophecy in Isaiah says that, that the nations will be drawn to his light. It doesn't say that we go out beating people over the head, Bible thumping them to death, but that they are drawn to his light. And if people are not drawn to the light of Messiah in your life, it is time to get on your hands and knees before the Lord. Seek his face fervently so that that light is a part of your life. It's one thing to say a prayer and repeat after me and accept salvation. It's a whole other thing to walk in the fullness of what salvation has to offer. And the fullness of what it has to offer is His Shekhinah, His divine glory in our lives. It is to overtake and overcome. And where His light and His presence is, darkness cannot and will not overcome it. If you're living right now in a place mentally or emotionally, spiritually, where all you feel is the, the choking embrace of darkness, the enemy trying to hold you down, tear you down, break you apart, it's time that you fall on your face before the Lord because that light will not and cannot be overcome by the darkness. That light was placed in your life so that you may find deliverance and restoration and freedom, so that the chains of the bondage of the enemy will be broken, and you will be brought into the exodus from slavery. Messiah gave his life, not that some may come to find, but that all may come to find salvation. And he's given his light in yours and my life, that we may carry that truth of salvation, that reality of the Shekinah, the divine glory into the world around us, that others may be drawn into his presence, drawn by his presence into the kingdom of Adonai, the kingdom of Messiah Yeshua, a kingdom that is already in act, a kingdom that we are not waiting for, but that we are already a part of, a kingdom that we are citizens and heirs in. And it's time that we as the body of Messiah start acting like it and that we start living in the light of Messiah. Remember, that light was the first thing spoken of in creation. And I think a lot of times we get hung up and we forget about that and we lose sight of that. Mashiach wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't like we get to Genesis 3 and the Lord goes, I didn't see that one coming. Let me go back to the drawing board and rethink how to make this work out. It's not how it went down at all. He places light in the foundations of creation because he knew what Adam and Eve were going to do. He knew what you and I were going to do. 
He knew the misery we were going to bring into this world. And he knew that he wanted nothing more than to redeem that misery and to restore us and fill us with the glory of the Lord and the joy of his presence. The light came long before the fall. And even with the fall and the overcoming of darkness in our lives, that darkness will not overcome his glorious light. Amen? Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, I pray that you uh, continue to reveal your realities into our hearts and our lives. You can continue to build the effervescent life, the radiant light of Messiah in our lives that others may be drawn to us as your word promises will occur. Father, I pray that you put us in places and people's paths and you give us divine appointments where your presence, your glory will uh, impact the lives of those around us. Father, I pray for spontaneous worship to occur because of your presence in our lives anywhere and everywhere that you lead us. Father, I pray that the nations may finally come to know you because of the truth of your salvation and what you are doing in and through your people. Father, I pray that all Israel may come to know the truth of your salvation and proclaim because of the realities of what you are doing with your light and your presence in the midst of your people. Father, I pray that we see the soon return of Mashiach Yeshua. I pray that we see the soon revelation of the heavenly kingdom. I pray that we experience your eternity in the near future, that we no longer have to wait. But Father, more importantly, I pray that while we wait, as long as we must, that your Shekinah, your divine glory, be what leads and guides, that you draw people to your presence. And if anything in our life is prohibiting your work in our midst and the lives of others, Father, that you will clean us that you will restore us, that you will renew us, and that you will renew your light in our lives. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen. Amen.